comic book pit. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Pittsburgh Comics, recently named one of the best comic book stores by the Pittsburgh City Paper. Pittsburgh Comics is the premier comic shop in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, located in McMurray, conveniently near Route 19 and Route 79. Pittsburgh Comic carries a large collection of new and back-issue comics, trade paperbacks, graphic novels, games, statues, action figures, and more. Don't forget Comics Perks! With the Comics Perks program, you can earn points on every purchase you make in the store. You get a point for every dollar spent, and every 100 points can be redeemed for $10 off a future purchase. Go to PittsburghComics.com for more, or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome to the Comic Book Pit Podcast. This is episode 370370. I'm Dan, and with me tonight, I've got Sean. Hello. We've got Kate. Hi. And we've got Link. Hey. Here at the Comic Book Pit, every week we read some comics and talk about various topics, usually but not always comic-related. And here's a quick spoiler warning. This is a review show, so sometimes we... You know, we, we take care not to give too much away, but sometimes it happens, so just be warned. Um, but before we get into comic talk, um, I had the <laughs> I had the unpleasant experience of watching the new Michael Bay movie trailer today uh, for Songbird, and I was I was triggered. <laughs> I, I seriously was. I, and I but the, the, the sad thing was, I didn't realize it. I, I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me as I'm watching this like two and a half minute long trailer. And then after it was over, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like my heart was racing, and not in a good way. Like, yeah, <laughs> not in the good Michael <laughs> Bay way. <laughs> yeah, if there is a good Michael Bay way. Um, right. So if if you've not watched it, this is basically. It's like COVID fan fiction. <laughs> it's so weird when you, yeah, yeah, you, you were describing it like for a second, and then I was like, no, shut up, just don't tell me anymore. We're going to talk about this other yeah. show. So here's here's a little bit of a better description or a, a basic plot summary. So it's uh, the, the United States. It's uh, 2024. The nation's decimated by the pandemic and the emergence of the all new, all deadlier COVID 23 virus. We are ruled ruled by a government in the process of forcing all infected citizens into quarantine camps in an act of martial law. But there's a love story <laughs> because oh, uh, God. Cage, um, Archie from Riverdale, uh, KJ Appa oh, or man, Appa, better. he's a he's a COVID immune bike messenger on a mission to <laughs> to reunite with his with his. Are you fucking kidding me? No, he's 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 on a mission to reunite with his his love, who it, fr, fr, uh, from the trailer I think they like they've never met in person. They're like boyfriend and girlfriend, but they're but they're they, virtual. Like zoom, they're virtual. They zoom. Yeah, go in love during the times of COVID. Yes. What this? Uh, are you sure this isn't like the next season of Riverdale? <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense at this point. Bear. But, he did fight a bear. <laughs> yes, he did fight a bear. Um, <laughs> but no, and and actually, it was funny. I didn't even recognize that it was Archie until 
after I had read, I watched the trailer and I was, um, cause he's not actually redhead. I forgot that. Yep. Right. He he's, his hair is dark, like very dark and it's long. It's like kind of like this oh, cool, like, weird. yeah. And it's real. It's like kind of straight. He looks really unbathed um, <laughs> for most of this. And he's riding a bike everywhere. Um, but I'm watching this and I'm like, who thought this was a good idea? Yeah, this is the worst. And it's a it's a Michael Bay produced movie. So, you know, it's going to be goofy. It's going to be everything is going to be sexualized and yeah. over the top. And the, the virus yeah. is exploding inside your body. Yeah. And everything's going to be yeah. like everyone's going to be like dying in slow motion and like cool 360, <laughs> you know, camera turns. And uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's. Oh a lot so um suffice to say it's taking a lot of heat today (laughs) yeah gosh i wonder why everyone is just railing on it because it's it's just the it's just the worst idea ever i mean It it sounds like something that would have been like a parodied somewhere like a sitcom to like make fun of like like those fake movie trailers they did in uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Or, or I'd be like, oh, yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's like it's something that would, would have been done on Saturday Night Live or something. Yes. But it just, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this and I, I was, my heart was, I was like having palpitations because it's like, holy shit, like we're still living this. How can you, how can you make this? work of right? fantastic fiction um glamorizing essentially this you know death on a mass scale you know there's like uh, in one part of the um trailer there's a billboard it's like a digital billboard that ke- there's a a death toll count and it says Jeez. like current death toll is like 8.4 million or something Jeez. yeah yeah that's that's definitely too early like this is, I don't think it's ever approved. <laughs> like I feel as if maybe twenty years from now they could make that. Yeah, change. but it's. I like, mean, you'd have a better op- You'd have a better chance of making a zombie movie being a satirical than freaking yeah. calling it COVID twenty three. It's not because of. Oh, it's not because it's the strand. Yeah. Um. Yes, it's a virus, but it's not. That's not how things work. That's, that's not how things work. Yeah. Uh. It remind not not to get political too much, but it reminds me of um, that season of American Horror Story, which I hated with a fiery passion. Oh, um, yeah. But it was like the election cults. season one. Yeah, what was it called? Was it cults? cults? Yeah, cults. And it was like it it had all this stuff about like how the alt rights formed and how like mm. this person could be red pilled and become a Trump supporter and act like yeah. get elected and huh. blah blah blah. But it was like literally like two, three months after Trump was elected. Yeah. And, the and thing I is, was like, why are we doing this? I know. And the thing is, if it, if that season came out in like five to 10 years, maybe more like 10 years, it was actually a really good fucking season. But because we were still living through all of it, <laughs> yes. it was mm-hmm. too much. It was oh, a shit. bad decision. And I was like, who greenlit this? Why did you yeah. decide to turn Trump's election into a comedy and I think, well, I, I know why, because it was like during the era of like, oh, it's not going to be bad. And then like it just ages worse and worse. <laughs> we were so hopeful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were so young and stupid. 
young and naive. Well, yeah. And you know, now I, I've been fortunate. I can't speak for everyone. I don't know everyone's situation. All, all the friends and family that I started with in 2019 and this year in 2020 are still here. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the only number I care about is the number of people that I end up with when all this is over is the same as when it started. Sure. But there are a lot of people that aren't so lucky that lost friends and families and coworkers and aunts and uncles, whatever. If you were to, if you were one of those unlucky people and then watch this trailer, I would be just floored, just stunned that it's like you, you took my tragedy and cashed in on it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, hey, anybody remember that Spider-Man trailer with the, the Twin Towers that yes. got removed? Yep. Yeah. Because it would be insensitive? Yeah. That Apparently, that just doesn't exist in Hollywood anymore. <laughs> it's it's on YouTube. You can still find it. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just meant the, the, oh, yeah, the yeah. statute of limitations right. on... Not being a dick. Yeah, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, that's you know that's funny. I I forgot about how much uh, after 9/11, how many things changed in Hollywood to be respectful to to that tragedy. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. Like now, it's like COVID is a punchline or it's a plot line. Or I mean, I I also read today that the new season of Grey's Anatomy is going to squarely focus on on COVID-19. Well, I mean, I feel that that makes sense, but yeah, they're yeah. a medical, yeah. drama, they're a medical right. But I mean, I never watched Grey's Anatomy, but I mean, but, but I'm just, I'm just saying that's where we are oh, yeah, now. Yeah. Like that's where, yeah. like uh, um, yeah. the, the new season of the Connors, like everyone uh, yeah. I, I've, you know, what saw the trailer for it and everyone is, you know, wearing a mask and you can tell like, that's so weird. Like the characters are quarantining or hunkering down because everyone's hair is kind of fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, even more think, than usual. I think the difference between COVID and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to downplay if it sounds like I am. I'm not. I think the difference between COVID and the towers is that this has just been like a very long, long process. And it's almost to a point where, you, we really don't know when are we getting out of this. Like every, fair. like every time we hear that it's gonna, like scientists think that you know, like hey, you know, probably early twenty twenty one, maybe you know, and it keeps getting pushed back. Where sure. you know, nine eleven was an extremely, utterly devastating, violent act. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying this has not been violent. I mean, well, it's know, a different kind of. Well, nine eleven brought our country together. This, yeah. this, the pandemic is tearing it apart. Yeah. But yeah, I guess m- my point is like now we're entering the phase of the pandemic where it's, it's absolutely infiltrating our, our media. Yeah. I mean, like, we talked about it. Like it's, it's part of our lives now. It's not just like, Oh, it was just a, just a, a, a blip. And now we can yeah. like, you can resume your, your regular lives. It's like, yeah, it it's, you know, it's part of our lives the same way they, they made movies about nine 11 and yeah. you know, the, mm-hmm. or even like how these procedural cop shows like in the later two thousands or maybe even early two thousands, they were using like 
you know, certain things like, oh, yeah, Homeland Security. Yeah. You know, they after 9-11, this happened. So we got access to stop the terrorists. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, my uh, staff will watch Bones and one, I'll just roll my eyes because, oh, my <laughs> God, I can't stand that show. That's it's been recorded for many hours, like on this podcast and other podcasts I've been on. I can't stand that show. Anyways, <laughs> on the record. Show. I've been on, on the record. 2020 update still sucks. Anyway, <laughs> you know, and they'll talk about like terrorists and stuff like that. And they'll, they, it, it definitely does not paint a good picture of um, that stuff. But I, I think my biggest worry is it's more of that. I hope we don't get to a point where like, where we get okay well now we just have to live with this so we just carry on and sure i can kind of see that happening and i'm actually indifferent about it because it's like no we shouldn't just carry on and just deal with it this is a thing that needs to be taken care of it's not like you know dust that you see on the floor and you just sweep it under a rug take care of your shit (laughs) yeah I was going to say, we, we discussed this very idea like 20, 30 episodes ago on this show, I think when COVID first happened and the TV took a break and we're like, oh, it's going to be weird when they come back and like, are they going to ever address it? Right. And then, then you mentioned the thing about the Connors and I'm like, oh, I didn't think we'd do that. Shameless mm-hmm. is also doing it. Are they? they? I mean, I assume based on pictures that I've seen. I mean, I guess that's people. one way to film too. Yeah. That's a creative I'm solution. I missed it. What what show? Shameless. Oh, okay. Okay. Because there are a bunch of pictures of people on set with masks, but then there's also pictures of them without masks. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're like literally filming. Like everybody's probably getting tested because they have access to them, and possibly quarantining, but they're filming as if the characters are going through COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, but I mean, I, they even managed to do still the great British bake off. Mm-hmm. Everybody had to be like completely <laughs> quarantined. Huh. Life finds a way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you know, I, 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 I mean, and in, in on one hand, I don't want anyone to watch the trailer for, Songbird, which is a stupid title, by the way. I mean, I'm not saying call it like death, you know, COVID death or whatever. Like, but Songbird <laughs> is just 23. It, it, the it, reckoning. It's just a really <laughs> stupid. Um, it's just a really stupid title. It, it, it just it invokes like a very different type of movie yeah. than, than what it is. So um, I, I I don't wish anyone to watch this trailer, but at the same time, if you can if you can stomach it if watch it because it's just so I'm like, so this is where we're at now. Like this is like, I I understand for like certain tell like television shows that are episodic and that take place in the modern day. Sure. You you know, it it would almost be disrespectful to not address this national crisis and pretend like it didn't even happen, but to go the completely opposite end and be like, we're going to fight COVID like COVID 23 is the enemy and Michael Bay is going to save us all. Oh, I, I guarantee that's going to happen. Bruce, that Bruce Willis shows up, launches a missile into it. Yeah. He's going to have like a, 
Nick the, is the missile. Yeah. <laughs> Fire the cage rocket. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, like be, I said, that I, would be definitely the end where they're just like, yay. And now we have no more COVID and we tore down the government. Yay. Pew, pew, all, pew. And they all, they all jump in the air and it's like a freeze frame. You know? <laughs> so they're all going to go off the shakes. At, uh... <laughs> but yeah, I, I really, for like about an hour or so after I watched this thing, it, it, it stuck with me. I'm like, I, I could not shake it. And I'm like, this was, that was a fucked up trailer. <laughs> you don't swear very often on the show, Dan. So that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how bad it was. So like I said, I want everyone to watch it, but at the same time, I don't want anyone to watch it, but I feel like you, it's one of those things you just should. Yeah, no. It's yeah, uh, because it's wild. Yeah, you know, and and part of me wonders if if they're going to if if the backlash is bad enough, if they will actually not release it or not, you know, or, or just do a, a limited release. Because do you guys remember a few years ago? I was I think I was going to bring this up. They were going to that hunted thing. The which one? The one the hunted or like the one the where it was like the Republican thing. Oh, yeah. that actually got eventually. Released. It did eventually come out like after the fact, but didn't get a theater release. No, I forgot about that. Rose think about it. No, well, that that's a good one to. But I, I yeah, I forgot about that. No, I was gonna say. Do you remember a couple of years ago they they were gonna make a movie about Ronald Reagan, but in his declining years, like he when he was the president, but the the idea was like the the movie was that he was the president, but he was, he was already in a diminished capacity and it was kind of like a dramedy. And oh. there was like a trailer <laughs> for it. Like I think I would love that. I think uh, Will Ferrell was supposed to be, was supposed That's to play so Reagan. Weird. Yeah. And it was so tasteless and like, like his, like Reagan's family, like came out of the woodwork and just sure. slammed this thing, and they shelved the movie. And I think even Will Ferrell was like, "Yeah, upon further reflection, this was a bad idea." <laughs> um, and I'm like, "Was that before or after they paid you, man?" Like, what yeah. you know? Um, but no, it was such a, it was such a, a tasteless display of cinema that they would, you know, w- whether you, you you like Reagan or hated him, whatever, it's like the man, you know, he, he was the president, he was respected. He, um, you know, and, and to take this part of his life where he had, you know, like, like I said, this diminished capacity and to infer that he was running the country, whether it's true or not, but he was running the country and, and to make light of it. It's just like, that's awkward. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of awful. Um, yeah, I know for sure. So, uh, I, I I just wonder if if it's possible for this movie to receive the same treatment to I, be shelved. I can only imagine after the social media extravaganza that apparently is today, mm-hmm. um, it probably would, or at least push back or something. Maybe it just goes direct to whatever streaming service wants to shell out the money. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Because I think that's what happened with the other movie. I think Amazon Prime picked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, like after the fact, they were like, 
you know, all, all the people that were upset about it, like forgot about it. And then it just silently came out on Amazon prime. Didn't, didn't the same thing sort of happen with that Seth Rogen and James Franco movie called the, yes. the interview where I thought that I thought they were on planning Netflix. on Netflix. It did. Well, no, it was kind of be in theaters and then that, that didn't because of some, something similar to this. They were like, well, we don't want, you know, they were getting North threats. Korea. I think, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, we're not going to piss off North Korea anymore. Uh, we're just going to put it on Netflix and that's that. Yeah. Gosh, where was this when team America came out? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a it, like, they take a dump all over North Korea. It was, it was a yeah. different era. That was a, that was a kinder, <laughs> gentler time. <laughs> now it's like, well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's, let's take a quick break and talk about one of our sponsors for this episode, Thriftburg which you can find them at thriftburg.com and then we'll be back to talk some comics. This week's episode of comic book pit is brought to you by thriftburg. Do you need a gift that's more interesting than a gift card? Are you looking to reclaim a piece of your childhood? Thriftburg is your online stop for all things vintage and nostalgic from the 1950s to the 1990s. They have everything from retro kitchen, dining and barware to action figures, games, books, pop culture, collectibles, and more. Comic Book Pit listeners also get 10% off their purchase of $20 or more with coupon code COMICBOOKPIT. That's all one word, Comic Book Pit. So visit thriftburg.com and check out their hundreds of unique vintage items. Alright, and we're back. Thanks again to Thriftburg for sponsoring this episode, and... Let's talk about some comics, and I think I think Kate's gonna 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 lead us off here. Yep. Yeah, so I'm gonna do the first uh, Buffy and Angel crossover from the new batch of stuff, the Boom Studios comics. Um, I talked briefly about Buffy prior to this, the Boom Buffy. Yes, and I was really sold on it. And I still am. I heard a question mark. But, <laughs> no, I've been like, well, I really like these things, but do I? <laughs> so here's the thing. If anyone has ever been interested in Buffy, but felt like there was so much to get through that they were not interested in any of the new stuff. I already talked about how the new stuff is very different is completely approachable from someone who knows nothing about Buffy. Yeah. There are definitely in jokes that you will only get if you've watched Buffy so far. I've not seen anything that would have mattered if you read any of Buffy, but like there's a reference to Willow tasting like strawberries in this Mm -hmm. and like, it's like, little things that are like a one-off in a show. Sure. But for someone who is so familiar with the source material, this is where it got a little disjointed. Like Anya showed up, but everybody's still in high school. And I know that she showed up while they were in high school before too, but it's like, I don't know. There are just things that I understand. This is a completely different universe. 
but it's weird. And Think, things are happening way faster than you're ready for them. It's basically, and it feels like there are some things that they're trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Overall, I still really enjoy the feel of it. I like the new things that they're doing with the characters. But there are parts that it feels like they're trying too hard. And I think they're still doing Dirty by Kendra, the Vampire Slayer. She was essentially a one-off character played by the lovely and actual vampire Bianca Lawson because she (laughs) never ages. And I was really excited to see that character pop up. And I'm not saying she's dead, so no one think that I'm spoiling that aspect of it. But you would expect them to flesh out her character more than what has happened so far, given that that's one of the biggest criticisms, that she was one of the coolest characters that they ever created. Mm-hmm. And then they killed her really quickly. In the original show. Yeah. In the original show, yeah. And then there's supposed to be crossover... Obviously, that's still coming. I don't know. Because none of this felt like it was even leading towards each other. Which in any kind of crossover event, you would expect it to at least somewhat reference each other. Yeah, so I guess, what what is so, Hellmouth? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. So the actual event is called Hellmouth. So for people who know Buffy, Hellmouth is what's underneath Sunnydale. It is literally a mouth to hell. And occasionally, it will open. So in this event, Drusilla has opened Hellmouth and Buffy's currently in the Hellmouth doing Buffy things. So the Buffy volume is called From Beneath You, which is a nice nod to From Beneath You, It Devours, which is another like really Mm -hmm. famous Buffy episode. Um, And Jordi Belair, David Lopez and Raul Angulo uh, worked on that. And then the angel one is City of Demons and Brian Edward Hill, Gleb Melnikov, and Roman Titov uh, worked on that. Literally the only common denominator between the two that I found was the word Hellmouth. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. So are they even in the same location? No. So Buffy is taking place in Sunnydale and Angel is taking place in L.A. Interesting. So, like, I'm invested because I love these characters. And I will say, this is also your first Angel book that you've read, right? Yes. And this isn't the first of the trades. I just, I got you this because it said Hellmouth, and it said it was part of the Hellmouth crossover. Right. So it's interesting that it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, like, it, it is very weird. And for people who would be familiar with, Buffy, you would expect Spike to show up in Buffy before he shows up in Angel. And that's not happening either. Is that, is that, um, what, what's his face? That's Gunn, yeah. Yeah, Gunn. That's so weird. So, like, yeah, so, so Gunn's there, Fred's there. So the Angel show is like happening, ha- like the season one of Angel or season two, even yeah. of Angel, was happening concurrently with like season one of Buffy. Right. Which is extra weird. Which I guess, the show. I mean, maybe they'll never make Buffy and Angel hook up in this universe. I don't know, but hmm. it's weird, guys. It's really <laughs> weird. I think that I enjoy it, <laughs> but I think I enjoy it much more outside of the scope of trying to put this event together. 
like on their own on their own yeah that makes sense um yeah i can't i can't promise you if there's even any more hellmouth that might that that might just be it i don't i don't remember being solicited for a whole bunch of issues but you'll find out i guess and yeah is it the second trade of angel or the first so the second trade of angel the third trade of buffy yeah interesting so if you've been reading Buffy so far, I still say check it out. But I don't feel obligated to read Angel if you don't yes, read Angel. Yes, I would not feel obligated. And vice versa, I yeah, guess. Yeah, because, again, maybe down the line they connect, but so far that is not Yeah, happening. so it's like, a, it's like a philosophical question. Like, when is a crossover not a crossover? Right. <laughs> like... Oh, I, I guess plot wise, like hell, the Hellmouth, like is it like there's two separate Hellmouths that opened in different no, cities? No, no, they're literally talking in LA about needing to go to Sunnydale. Okay, so maybe it does, or maybe there's an event book just called Hellmouth, maybe. and it's like, you know, that's the crossover, and this is the leading. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Talking, uh, speaking real quick of a another Whedonverse book, you, you got me, Kate, your, your feelings, your, your hesitancy <laughs> of the Buffy and Angel books got me thinking about, I've been, I've been reading another Whedonverse, um, boom property, Firefly. I've been trying to mm. get back into that because I think I read like the first arc. Yeah. First I remember you talking about it. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of drifted and we've, we've still been getting the issues compliments of boom studios. So I, I downloaded a bunch to my iPad and I just started over because it it had been so long. I decided to just start over and I didn't like it as much as I did when I first read it. And Mm. kind of for the same reason that you said for Buffy and angel, they're trying too hard. Yeah. They're, they're trying too hard to be, that quippy quirky firefly that that perfect first season of firefly that I, probably nobody could replicate yeah you can't yeah you know you, you just can't do it that that season was just amazing even the firefly stuff written by Joss Whedon and Zach Whedon feels like it's trying too hard right yeah. because it's not the actors yeah it's it's just that magic came from that ensemble cast and I'm, and I'm not saying these books are bad, but it's, it's the same thing. Like I said, there, it just felt like they're trying too hard and the art wasn't really quite up to snuff. Like it was okay in the beginning and then it, it, it really trailed off. And then, then there was this one weird thing. They, this odd creative decision they did <laughs> where Mao and this, um, this uh, mercenary get stuck on, they crash on this planet and it's kind of this like story of survival. Like they, they hate each other, but they have to help each other get, you know, to survive. And mm-hmm. there's like this, I mean, in the, in the series, in the movie, in the, you know, whatever um, supporting material we've had up to this point, there's and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's never been any type of quote unquote monsters or aliens. I mean, everything is just normal for the most part, right? I 
I thought the Reavers were considered. I mean, that's monsters. about it. Well, well, the Reavers are more yeah, like cannibalistic, it. like savages, but they're not. Yeah, they're not like Klingons. Yeah, they don't. They don't no. come from another planet. Yeah, there's no aliens. There's no stand. No. Okay. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of people colonized right. everywhere. It's 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 a yeah. So there's this scene in this one issue. Like I said, they're trapped on this planet. They find this um, outpost to. Uh, take shelter in and they get attacked by these huge like centipede looking like mm-hmm. creatures. It's almost like if they took a centipede and like it was uh, mutated or something like it was huge. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think you need to make centipedes weirder. <laughs> but, but it's like, essentially like these First huge, off. like these huge insects. And I'm like, what are you doing in this book? Like, yeah, that's weird. That would be like, in a Star Trek book or a Star Wars book, that should not be in a Firefly book. Mm-hmm. Like no huge, weird, mutated insects. Like man size, you know, killer, killer centipedes or something. Yeah, like it's, like I said, like it, it 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 makes sense, but also like yeah, there's no basis for it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that, I I, I feel like the like in the Firefly Bible, if there if one exists, like the show yeah. Bible, I feel like somewhere it says, no monsters, no aliens, no, mm-hmm. you know, no one with weird powers other than like River, who's psychic. Mm-hmm. Like nothing, nothing that is that could make it feel like Star Trek or Star Wars. Yeah, because those, because Star Trek does Star Trek, Star Wars does Star Wars, and I feel like Firefly was its own special kind of sci-fi that, you know, where they still use bullets instead of lasers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that was like, like I said, that, that was another part that just felt very, um, just, yeah, it didn't feel, it didn't sit right as I'm reading this. I'm like, so it, it, that's just another, another element to, to, to that book that it's like, what are you guys doing with this thing? So, that's just like I said, your your discussion about the uh, weirdness of Buffy and Angel and how it didn't really sit well kind of made, made me think of uh, that. So, yeah, and I wonder if someone not familiar with the original source material would even feel the same way, right? Like if you That's don't know anything point. about Buffy besides that she's a vampire slayer, mm-hmm. and you don't know anything else about these characters, whether it's about Buffy or about Firefly would you feel the same way about those books? Because overall they're good, but again, it's like they're trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess, yeah, for the, I guess for people like us, people that are the, the deep fans, we're probably never mm-hmm. going to be satisfied, 100% satisfied with, you know, with, with anything new as, as much as we want new material, we want it, done the old way. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but it's never going to happen. And everything that, ha- you know, we, we have such a love for, for these properties that everything like we want to love the, the new stuff, but sometimes it just falls flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough being a fan. <laughs> it sucks. Why can't, why can't I just hate everything? <laughs> um, 
Uh, who wants to who wants to go next? Uh, I guess I can go. Pull my arm. <laughs> I guess I'll go. Uh, so I decided to. I actually, to tell you the truth, I really didn't have anything prepared, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, this is the from the Sean Atkins back pocket. <laughs> this is from my back. Matter of fact, there was like a couple. Of books See me after class, I, Mr. Atkins. <laughs> I actually read a bunch of books. Actually, I was going to talk about fire as well, but I wasn't sure if I talked about that on the show last year. I read it during um, jury duty. Are you talking about uh, this is Brian Bendis's fire? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't, re- I don't recall either, but I was just wondering if that was the same, the same mm-hmm. book. Yeah. I forget why I bought it. I think I saw it and it was like a cheap price. So I was like, Yoink. <laughs> that's a good book. But, oh, I loved it. Um, I really liked it. And it's Brian Bendis doing the artwork. And, you know, I have to admit, like I, and again, you guys can pull my nerd card. I really haven't read much of his superhero stuff. Like, I don't know why it's not like I'm like some sort of, indie hobsnobber like oh he totally like betrayed his indie roots by jumping to marvel no it was just like i wanted to and then i just didn't like it's just one of those things um but um i do love like a lot of bendis's early work like i still have goldfish i actually have torso somewhere which makes me mad because i can't find it (laughs) (laughs) i forget i think i was gonna let a friend borrow it to take on vacation and i was just like yeah i got it here somewhere you know and i, I was speaking it up like yeah and there's like even a pittsburgh connection in there too <laughs> you know and i don't know pittsburghers like to read about pittsburghers for that some is true. <laughs> like i'm very excited when we get the name drop i know right like i'm from northwest ohio and i don't even bother dropping the name where i'm from because no one's ever been there and no one knows where the hell it is so for the last 20 years, I've been telling people I'm like 20 minutes away from Cedar Point. <laughs> and then when they don't know where Cedar Point is, I say, oh, I'm about 40 minutes away from Toledo. After that, if they don't know, then I'm just like, well, that's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Ohio. Don't worry about it. Anyways, I wasn't meant to talk about fire, but I guess that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a really good book, a much requested read, I must say. It was lots smaller and it wasn't as good as the other ones but then again maybe my taste has changed since i read goldfish and torso um as well as uh was a retro girl the was it like the murder of retro girl or something like that powers Powers. the first arc but um anyways segwaying segwaying segway never mind segue ing from superheroes i am going to talk about aquaman volume two the others this was based on the the new 52 launch that was like i don't know 10 years now i guess yeah Um, so weird Mm -hmm. yeah um this actually is i actually really love this a lot more than the first one um the first one was good uh i mean there were some really cool parts in there and they like they made aquaman cool and mira and 
you know, all sorts of stuff. But this one had Black Manta. And I've been dying to read a comic that had Black Manta in it. Like, mm-hmm. I have, like, a couple of trades downstairs of Aquaman, like, his fur, like, uh, essentially his essentials, like, Essentials Volume 1, but it picked yeah. up in the Silver Age. And that is basically him just fighting, I don't know, sea monster or sea gangsters and sea gangsters. Well, I guess pirates and okay. I don't know. It, it, I, I, we'll just call pirates sea gangsters. Yeah, right? I'll say I, I, I like <laughs> I like sea gangsters. That has a nice ring to it. Yeah. Like basically, it's just these people are like, oh, I'm totally going to be a dick and just like ruin this no, it, or ruin that it, or it'd be I'm like doing this. It'd be like if you if if you mashed up an old timey pirate with an old timey gangster and be like, R C. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want the cola. <laughs> oh, I'm not talking about that. All right, that, keep going. That was a terrible joke. You got to keep going now. It's the dad joke. That's what I do. <laughs> kid telling me i almost wanted to backhand my kid not that i i'm sorry i'm drifting off <laughs> <laughs> well i was playing i will edit out part about you wanted would... to backhand your kid <laughs> i mean he didn't say he did <laughs> i would not hit my kid i am very opposed hitting kids i don't think that's a very good disciplinary thing you shouldn't hit your kids although i won't tell parents how to parent <laughs> I mean, unless there's like bruises on the kid, then I'll call Psychology it will tell you that hitting your child does not uh, impact yeah. them positively. So don't no. hit your kids. I'll say that. Yeah, as a person as a that as a person that got hit as a kid, yeah, it's not good. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, I was playing BC Boys, and she's like, "These people don't rap very well." I was like. <gasps> Wow. No, you should have backed Oh, no, you she didn't. I was like, you're done. <laughs> you're done. And so I played uh, the Hello Nasty in the car now. So oh, like, there you go. I would have I would have thrown her out. I'd be like, your house privilege has been revoked. <laughs> you sleep under the house now with the lawnmower. Better make a bet out of those, those old tires I found. <laughs> And that's like a, and that's a lot like Aquaman. <laughs> and what Aquaman? Did. That's Aquaman. Although his parent, his dad was a dick. Like he threw him like in a tank full of sharks. Like here you go, kid. Learn how to defend yourself. I'm like, what? Well, sometimes you got to learn by doing. Like he, <laughs> like oh my god. As a parent, I was reading the earlier issues. I know this is totally not what I'm going on, but it's just like I was reading the early issues in the Silver Age, and it's like going over his origins and it's like they just seem like really bad accidents like oh my god parents you're so lucky this kid breathes water right like what was it he was two and he i didn't know but he fell off the boat and i didn't notice until like 20 years or 20 20 minutes 20 minutes later and he's swimming and i'm like Mm -hmm. what (laughs) and like what was it and when he was six, and this is the dad who's like a lighthouse captain or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, one time I was fixing the light bulb and, you know, I left him outside to play when he was seven. And, you know, I told him, be careful. There's some sharks in the water. And he fell in the ocean and like started talking to sharks. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are yeah. you doing? You're, You're a bad here. parent. Like, 
oh my god, you're so lucky CYS didn't exist during that time. You would have <laughs> your ass should be in jail. <laughs> I'm so off the rails. I'm that, sorry. Okay. So I actually have a question. I'll bring you back on the rails. Because I read some of this earlier the not the earlier Aquaman, but the new fifty two Aquaman. Um, was this where it got political a little bit too? Uh, no. Like it was like the politics of Atlantis. I think that might be in the next arc. I have a okay. feeling because maybe, I read, maybe a, I read that one. The next arc, I believe, has Ocean Master. Yeah, I think I think when Ocean Master showed up, I I dropped it just because I was like, I'm not here for Atlantis Game of Thrones, but you might enjoy it. I don't know, but at some point I was just like, eh, I'm good. I might. I actually might even go past that. I think um, I forget either it was on this podcast or maybe on Twitter. Someone had told me that Jeff Parker's Aquaman was pretty darn good. It was super cool. That's when I picked it back up again because it was just like, do you want to have Aquaman fight sea monsters? And that's what the comic's about. And that's it. And I was like, damn straight. (laughs) (laughs) Just fight some giant squids and other weird ass ocean shit. Cool. Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably try to get into that after. Um, but this one, no, it go it, it kind of I guess it fills in that gap of that five that DC five year yeah thing yep. where like we don't know what they were doing we'll just have mm-hmm. to tell the story to lead up and and so it fills in that and like the title of it's called the others which I kind of felt like. When I first read that title, I was like, oh, that's kind of lame. Like mm-hmm. Aquaman and the others, like <laughs> like just a bad band name. Like, like, gosh, Aquaman, don't we have a name? Yeah, you're the others. I, I'm the lead here. I'm the Mick Jagger. You're, I don't know what the fuck you guys are. Uh, <laughs> so, but they fill it in. And he apparently he had like a bunch of friends and he was like a brooding Aquaman and uh, this was before he met Mira and um, and there's somebody going after his old friends and it's Black Manta and that's when you get the I, I do remember this story this was it was decent I liked it yeah I mean I I enjoyed it I definitely enjoyed the Black Manta parts Um, I thought he was well done in that like I said this was like really the first foray of reading like any black manta story which i'll probably have to go back i think i do have volume three for the silver age aquaman so Mm -hmm. i think he shows up in there um all right i mean it definitely had me hyped up to read the next trade um jeff johns which again i think i stated before with the first volume i'm not a huge fan of his like mm-hmm. I've maybe read a few stories by him. Um, like I think I read that uh, the Flash Rebirth thing, and I I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. I'll admit to that. I really didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe after that, I was kind of iffy about Aquaman, but I was always hearing some good stuff about it. So I was like, yeah, all right, I'll pick it up. I mean, it's Aquaman. So uh, the artwork's great. I mean, Ivan Reese seemed like he re- he seems yeah. like he always enjoys doing this stuff. Like he enjoyed drawing Aquaman and all these things. And he's got a good, just like classic superhero style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like good storytelling, good pacing. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Uh, 
Uh, I think other than that, I mean, they added a little bit more interesting stuff to Aquaman. I think this was kind of like the restoration of Aquaman, of trying not for him to be a joke. And I think sometimes, I think they pulled it off pretty well. So mm-hmm. it made him unique, or at least a little bit more unique, I believe. So. Cool. And that's it. Apparently, you got two book reviews out of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> In a, a ten minute rant. It's all good. Yeah. Well I can uh I can piggyback off of off of you and go with and uh stick with DC. I read um what? Before things get real say, wild over do it, here. Dan. <laughs> go ahead. That's right. I'm gonna get all DC up in you. Um <laughs> I uh I read Batman one oh one which is which was weird because I actually stopped reading Batman like six or seven months ago because of the whole everything that was like it was all Joker all the time and I just got sick of it and it was there there was the whole Joker war and I didn't just there's just too much Joker these days and I just I can't deal with it so uh, issue 101 kind of promised a, you know, a a new day dawns in Gotham and, you know, the aftermath of the Joker war and, you know, bold new direction for Batman. So I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll see what's going on. And it's um, the same creative team. Like that hasn't changed. So I'm, I went into it a little, you know, a little hesitantly, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested slash, um, like reservedly excited for for this new era of Batman because so part of the the previous Joker War had to do with the Joker basically discovering Batman's identity and robbing him blind and like he basically you know I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it but like he stole all Batman's money somehow or Bruce Wayne's money and. Um, in this issue, you find out that, uh, Lucius Fox has it and, you know, he has this kind of meeting with Batman and he says, look, um, I could, I could transfer all this money back to Bruce Wayne, but your finances are under a microscope right now, which means you can't build insane bat boats and bat planes and (laughs) batmobiles and you can't have this this technology that rivals most governments. Like you can't like, if you're going to keep doing what you're doing, you got to go low tech. Like you have to rely on the basics. You know, he's like, if you break the Batmobile, you got to fix it yourself. You can't just 3d print another one. Like, you know, like, yeah. And, and, that really hit me because one of my biggest complaints about Batman in the past five, 10 years is that he's, he's basically just like just James Bond. He just, he just relies all on his nifty super tech, all the gadgets, you know, like essentially whatever he needs, he has. And so there's, there's no, you know, that just gets boring. There's, there's no, 
it's like, well, geez, no wonder everyone th- thinks Batman can will always win because he does always win because he has a toy or a gadget that will get him out of literally any situation the writer thinks up. I feel like this actually brings Batman back down to earth a little bit, which is weird to say, considering that it's just like it's Batman. He has no power. Yeah. He, he should already be a down to earth street level character. But, you know, DC and the fans have elevated him to this like godlike character where he can take on Superman and that it's just the character cease has ceased to be fun, at least for me. So, you know, in this, uh, in this issue, you know, he's Batman's, you know, talking with Catwoman and he's like, I've been doing this wrong for the past, you know, X number of years. I need to get back to basics. I'm moving from the mansion into the city. He's like, he's like, apparently I have a brownstone that I didn't even know about. <laughs> and, and he, so he's going to be moving into the city. He's going to be operating out of the city. Um, and yeah, like I said, it sounds like he's going to be doing a real back to basics approach, which is more exciting to me than all, you know, having billions of dollars at his disposal and having every gadget known to man. Um, and I think also part of the reason why he's moving out of the, his mansion is I keep forgetting that Alfred's dead. Like yeah, Alfred was one point. killed oh, wow. like a while ago. And so I think just the memory of Alfred l- lives in that mansion and he, so he needs to get away from it for a while. Another uh, weird random thing that happened in this issue was Batman fought Grifter. So, <laughs> so I guess that is a weird random thing. So, so yeah, Grifter. You mean the Image comic guy? Yeah. Well, I mean, Wild well, it was Wildstorm, and Wildstorm became part of DC back, you know, in the New Fifty Two. Yeah. But, um, Grifter was is Lucius Fox's security or bodyguard. So when Batman first went to meet with Lucius grifter is like, you know, thought saw him as a threat and they, they start fighting on the roof. And then of course Lucius comes out and he's like, grifter, I told you he was coming. And grifter was like, yeah, I know. But you know, in, in my profession, if you get a chance to fight Batman, you fight Batman. Oh God. So, and, and Grifter, he, he looks at Batman. He's like, you under, you get it. Right. And Batman's like, no, (laughs) like you're an idiot. Um, so I guess Grifter might be a recurring character in (laughs) Batman now, which is weird and kind of cool. Um, yeah, I appreciate when the, those characters would show up on, uh, even, you know, uh, or vertigo characters, but especially Wildstorm because I don't know, like anything about most of them. Yeah. Beyond like, like Grifter. I'm like, Oh yeah, that guy with the mask. I remember. Yeah. That's all. That's all I got. I kind of, <laughs> I, I don't think that we've seen any, any Wildstorm characters in the, this like post rebirth era. Not really. I no. mean, unless I, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't claim to have read every DC comic since yeah. rebirth. You don't go out of your way looking for Wildstorm right. characters. <laughs> But I guess they still exist in this universe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's weird. I, you know, I mean, I guess if I were Jim Lee, I would care, but maybe I wouldn't care because it doesn't matter. He's still 
probably making millions doing whatever he does. He doesn't have to yeah. worry about making his characters relevant. I mean, he still, you know, I guess he still owns them or he still has some ownership over them. Um, even if they are, I guess part of DC, I don't know. I don't get the, I don't, I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't understand that relationship, but. And this might be a sidetrack, but they were part of image though. I think Sean was right. Right. Oh, like in the beginning. Yeah. Before, yeah. Cause I remember grifter showed up. I was reading, um, sleeper by Ed Brubaker. Right. And grifter shows up in that. I was like, wait, what? Well, what am I well, reading sleeper right was now? Like, part what, of the wild, yeah. Sleeper was part yes. of the Wildstorm universe. Yes. So, yeah, so that made sense. But, yeah, that was before – yeah, Wildstorm, I think, was still part of Image. And then, eventually, it was absorbed by DC. Mm-hmm. So, but, no, yeah, you're right. When when Image started, yeah, Jim Lee had his own – first, it was just um, Homage Studio. And then, I think, Homage turned into, like, the publishing arm of that we know now as Wildstorm and – no, but anyways, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep on with, with Batman because they're actually doing something different for once. So I'm kind um, of excited for it. And I, I blanked when you first started, who, who was the writer? Is this Tinian still, or is this somebody it, else? It is. It's Tinian and okay. the, uh, the artist for this issue, at least, I don't th- think he's the series regular, but it, it was uh GM March. Who's uh he's, he's an excellent artist. Yeah, no, I, I'm familiar. I, I at least recognize the name. I'm yeah, but um, I don't know if he's going to be the regular artist or if they're going to swap. I, I feel like in the past year, it's just been kind of like a rotating mm-hmm. between um, I think Tony Daniel and Guillaume March, and uh, there was a third artist that kind of snuck in there sometimes. But anyway, um. I, I feel like this is a fairly decent jumping on point too. Like I said, I, I stopped reading Batman maybe like the late eighties, now maybe even into the early nineties. Um, so I didn't read like probably the last five or six issues, including issue 100, which I thought about because I'm like, Oh, it's issue 100. But then it was like 10 bucks or it's something. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, money. yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to drop, whatever on this issue when I don't even, I, I probably have a lot of disdain for it anyway. So, mm-hmm. but um, no, but issue one one was pretty decent. It's like, like I said, it's a, it's a pretty, uh, pretty good jumping on point. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was confused or anything. So that's always, yeah. Good. And it, like I said, it, it kind of, it, it's, it, it lays out a new direction for Batman, which is, um, which is kind of, you know, it's interesting and fun. So. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I read, uh, Rohan at the Louvre, um, by Hirohiko Araki. Um, it is a manga. It's based off a Japanese anime series. Well, not even based off of it. It's spun out of a Japanese anime series called Jojo's bizarre adventure, which is like a whole thing. Um, but this story is actually pretty grounded in that respect. Um, JoJo's is sort of like this off-the-wall, absurd series. This is more like a kind of a straightforward ghost story type thing that I didn't really expect when I started reading it. I wasn't actually sure what I was going to get. I remember hearing about this being released as part of like some kind of 
partnership with the with the Louvre um, for like I think they had a comics exhibit like ten years ago or something, and this was like one of the the things that they released as part of that, and along with other different comics from across the world. Um, so I expected like I don't know, I was like, is this gonna be like a weird, cool like history thing? Um, and kind of like the character visits the Louvre to like investigate this painting um, that he heard about back in his childhood that is like contains like this weird color of black and it has this weird legend behind it. That's like the paintings cursed and blah, blah, blah. Um, so he has to Louvre and check to go check it out and investigate it and to get like some closure on his past. Um, and it kind of just spins out from there. Um, I don't want to talk too much about what actually happens when the, finds out about the painting but uh suffice to say it's spooky things um so it's got like a really cool horror element to it the art's really interesting i mean the artist in general is really good um the hirohiko araki he did i think the whole thing i think he wrote it colored it and drew it uh and this they, it uses like a limited color palette for a lot of the different scenes to like establish a mood um think further back it the the further into it it gets like more and more abstract like i think by the end of the book he was using like just blues and purple or blues and pinks like different shades of that so it it was interesting and established a, a kind of cool mood to it and it and some of it was like so once again kind of like back to that background discussion that we had last time where it's like some of it was like partially colored certain ways or like dabbed or like Mm -hmm. some things were just not colored at all. It's like, you know, focus your eye there or or to like establish a mood for that character that like, Oh, they're scared because they're like stark white and things like Mm that. Um, So I don't know. It was, it was cool. It's interesting to see like different countries, types of art styles that just so used to seeing like American art style um, in comic books and whatnot, like in superheroes. Uh, that this kind of stood out. Plus, uh, you don't see manga colored very often, which is also kind of interesting. Like, it's almost always, you know, black and white. Right, right. yeah. And so they have to just crank that stuff out so they don't have time for coloring over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was also kind of cool to see that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess there's not much else to say in overall about it. Um, but it's cool. It was like, it's like 20 bucks. It's a nice little hardcover I want to say it's like eh, like a hundred pages, maybe. That's just me guessing. Uh, and it's got this. It kind of has this fun little thing in the back. Actually, I don't even know if it's fun, <laughs> but informative. Um, it talks about like the history of the Louvre and like all the different art departments and like like if you're in those like nerdy weird things like that. It's it's it was kind of like a fun factoid thing in the back that was like. Yes, this was re- released in collaboration with the Louvre, and here's their different art exhibits in like all of our different departments, and how the Louvre, you know, accumulated all this art and <laughs> colonialism, um, and all this other stuff. Colonialism. Sorry. So I don't know. It was it was weird to read like a manga based off like a weird anime property that also ties into like you know, a, a promotion for like the, this, you know, famous museum. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting read. If you like spooky ghost stories um, at the very least, it's definitely worth checking out for that alone. Cool. Um, I have a question. Sure. 
what is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Because I've been, <laughs> see, I've been seeing it everywhere a little bit, and I'm like, I it's have a, no idea what it, that is. What it says on the can is a bizarre adventure. No, uh, we'll pr- we'll probably do a, a an hour two yen about it. Um, probably. But the to 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 summarize it as easily as possible, it's a show that features a lineage like a family lineage of these people, um, the Joe stars, and their bloodline kind of protects this mask that can turn people into vampires and do other weird things, and it kind of it's like each part of jojo which i want to say there's like maybe 12 parts of it at this point and only like five have been turned into anime um each part is like a different genre so like the first part is like i, I don't even know what to describe the first part as it's don't like sherlock i still didn't like it's it. like sherlock mystery type stuff yeah but the second's like indiana jones and then the third's yeah. like your typical like shonen fighting guys anime thing like dragon ball z style and then the fourth is like a slice of life murder mystery that's yeah. like Twin Peaks. And then the fifth is like mafia gangster stuff. Huh. It's very weird. Like very there's weird. no way to like be like, this is what JoJo is. Cause it's like every genre. Yeah. And, but it has like a tie in with like the, the overall pl- plot is tied in with these different family members. And then like each family member kind of has their own like genre built around them. And it's oh. coming from someone who doesn't really like over the top anime I did not necessarily enjoy the first season until all of a sudden I was really invested. (laughs) Uh, Being married to Link, I am often forced to start watching things that I have not agreed to. And um, with the understanding that if after a certain amount of time I still don't like it, I'm bailing. And I was ready after the first episode or two to say that I was ready to bail. And next thing I knew by the end of the first season, I was invested, but also as the seasons go on, like the source material that he just talked about, like, if you know me, it's like, Oh, murder mystery. Oh, (laughs) uh, different things like that are definitely more my alley than the first season. Yeah. The first season was like a weird version of Castlevania. That's the best way I can describe it. It was like vampires and like fancy Victorian era stuff, but like not in like the cool Castlevania. I was going to say, yeah, I'd rather have Castlevania than that. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty fun anime too. It sounds absurd and it's because it is, but it's absurd in a really great way. Yeah. It's, it's one of those shows where like, as it keeps going, it gets more and more absurd and you're like, I don't know how they're going to top this. Like, like the character in this book, and this doesn't come up very often in the book. He has a power that lets him open people and read them like a book, like literally, like he'll peel your skin off. It doesn't hurt. It's like your skin peels off and the pages within you are a book and he can read your entire life history and then edit it and make changes to it and things like that. Which is really cool to see in the show. It is really cool. It's like a cool visual effect and it's super crazy out there. It's like, that's a crazy idea. Um, and that's just like a taste of it. It's like, yeah. it's just get, like that's not even like the, the tip. Like that's the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so it's just a very inventive thing. Mm-hmm. All but, right. Yeah, we'll definitely do like a full yeah. like 30 minute spiel on it. I'm sure. All right. That sounds kind of fun and interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just kind of curious. Cause I think I've been seeing it like 
maybe on Facebook or just on the internet. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Oh, what Jojo the hell is, is this about? Jojo is a thing on the internet. No, it's, yeah, it's like in the, it, I checked it out originally because it the same reason. I was like, what the fuck are all these internet memes about? And what is everybody doing right now? And then it, <laughs> it's just like the, the curiosity finally got the yeah. better of me. Although I, I was kind of weird when you said it, follows this lineage of a uh, family. It kind of reminded me of um, this comic I have heard of that I've been wanting to read. It was called uh, a Gasol- uh, gasoline alley. It was a comic strip. Oh, I think I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. It started like in the 1915 mm-hmm. uh, in the Sunday comics. And apparently I think it's been discontinued, but I think the idea was that they followed this certain family, like through this line, like, you know, the years kind of like mattered. So the main character would eventually get old and the sun would be the star and so on and so forth. Yeah, no, I mean that that's yeah. So really with Jojo. Cause yeah, it takes like, it starts in Victorian era and like where it currently is, it's like the nineties ish ish. Yeah. And then I guess like as he's writing, it gets more and more present day, mm. but it, it's interesting in that way. And everything in it is also a musical reference, which is also kind of fun. Nice. Like so, you have the Speedwagon Corporation or Lisa Lisa. Yeah, like yeah, there's there's a lot of musical references to things or like people's special attacks or or things that like is like <laughs> Vanilla Ice. Yeah, there's a there's a villain named Vanilla Ice and he was super terrifying. <laughs> like it, it, it's so weird, but it's it, I think that adds like it's like another layer of like fun to it. But remember, but Vanilla Ice, <laughs> he made Go Ninja Go. He did make Go Ninja Go. Ninja Go. <laughs> I'm kidding. That guy sucks. And he gave us <laughs> he gave us the classic line of dialogue. Yo, you got to drop the zero and get with the hero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That uh, is true. On that note, I'm going to bail. <laughs> nice. V- Vanilla Ice was in something recently-ish that was, was, it was like a reality TV show. I know he was back like, like and 10 when. years ago. Yeah, it was like, like 10 years ago. I yeah, think it was like, I remember that and be like, what the hell? He was on like some sort of like uh, real life, like houses or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like he was like in a like house. Real like, something. Yeah, like the it's real world. Or, or was yeah. it like, don't they do like a celebrity big brother or something? Or Yeah. It was something. I was like, that's where Vanilla Ice went. Because I think they took. I remember watching one episode for some reason. I don't know why. Because Vanilla Ice was in it. <laughs> yeah, that's not the reason yeah. at all. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> but I think they went to like a bar and they showed him how much of an impact he had made by being the the corny rapper <laughs> and that one hit wonder. Yeah. And he I guess he was like, Oh wow, that's so cool. I'm like, yeah, but your stuff still sucks. So yeah. next time don't try to do corn either. <laughs> you guys remember that corn album he tried to do? It was like some sort of rap route. Oh, rock. he was trying to do like yeah, like that hardcore like metal rap or something. I I vaguely remember this. I was in high school when that was starting to happen because uh we were allowed to play uh music in our art room but it couldn't cuss mm-hmm. and um yeah i know yeah uh, and which kind of sucked because a lot of them were like oh let's play the 80s you know and i'm like quirky 
uh, Scrawny Sean and I wanted to listen to rap, but all my rap had uh, cuss words in it. But someone had played, uh, I think it was like a couple tracks from like this rack, rap rock uh, mix with Vanilla Ice. And I was like, oh, this is this is corny. <laughs> so, yeah, he he doesn't get any love in this house. <laughs> That's fair. I don't even think he gets a love in his own house. <laughs> so it's like dad turn that off it's like i was a star once That's awesome. <sighs> all right well we are getting to that time does anyone have any uh well i, I feel like we've we've exhausted all our yeah our I, talk i mean I, once <laughs> once once the conversation goes to vanilla ice it shows over <laughs> there, there there is a can of worms that i'm I don't. I mean, I just. I just want to ask this question. I want to have a. I don't really want to have a discussion about it. But is anybody else aware that there's three Walking Dead shows airing right now? What? I like yeah, exactly. I'm not watching any of them, okay. but yes. Okay. I like. I found out after the fact, and I'm kind. Of, I was like, oh, okay. That's weird. That's all I wanted to say about that. <laughs> uh, no, I did not know that. We'll have to see if. Um, I, I think right now, I think Scott is the right now is kind of the resident walking dead viewer. Um, I, yeah. I dropped it a couple of years back and I, I never really got into fear of the walking dead, even though I heard that that improved a lot mm-hmm. and I have zero interest in <laughs> the new one. Yeah, that is fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, we haven't got, we will, we'll get to it. We just have a lot that we'd rather watch. Instead. Yeah. But it was super weird to have, them just give this like oh it's October here's what well, as much Walking Dead as you can handle isn't, um and isn't the new one oh it's, it's called the World Beyond right yes isn't yeah. that only like isn't it like a finite series at least the first season it's only like six or eight episodes or something I feel like it's short maybe maybe they're just testing the waters yeah I don't know and then but I heard that Carol and Daryl were supposed to get a spinoff. Sure. I think. I, th- I think I heard that. I, I mean, that's. Uh, I wouldn't put it past AMC. I mean, I assume they're. Do they open up a pizza shop and have crazy hijinks? <laughs> yeah, that well, is I, what it's about. Because um, they, they announced the that the original series is coming to an end, right? Probably. That's I, I, I wouldn't hearing. be surprised. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I thought they gave it like. Like this next season is going to be the last or something. Yeah, probably. And that would make sense if they gave Carol and Daryl a spinoff since they're TV characters mostly, and they can just mm-hmm. write their write Walking Dead fan fiction at this point. I mean, they're probably like arguably the the most popular yeah. characters. I mean, they're they're. I mean, I, I think are they the only two left from from the first season? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else is either gone or disappeared or dead, basically. And and we still haven't seen a, the the Rick Grimes movie, the trilogy of films yeah. or whatever they're gonna do. Which, yeah, we'll see how that works out. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised that we haven't seen that. You know, we've seen nothing. We've not even out. like uh, stills or behind the scenes or. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been like no no talk there's been no buzz about those 
at all. Yeah. So I, I feel like they've, they're rapidly losing momentum. I think they're going to, you know, they're going to make a, I don't know what they're waiting for. I mean, they're going to, they're going to make a, they're going to be like, Oh, we're, you know, here's the movie. And everyone's going to be like, eh, okay. Yep. Yeah. They're going to, you know, do, do a Hail Mary. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, she kind of feels what they're doing right now. They're just like, I don't know. Here's all of the walking dead you can handle. And hopefully one of them succeeds. Yeah. They're just shotgunning it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, um, I guess we ought to wrap things up. Um, I believe Kate has already called it a night. She's, she's here to say, Oh, okay. I'm here to say goodbye. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I just want to say real quick. Um, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode, but if you are enjoying comic book pit, then check out the comic book pit, Patreon and consider joining, joining the fun. You can go to patreon.com slash comic book pit. And of course you can always find us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can help us out uh, in a non-financial way. You can just rate and review the show. It just takes a minute and uh, ratings help a lot. Um, You can support the show in other ways. You can go to our spread shop store and pick up some gear. You can make a one-time donation in any amount to our Kofi account. Um, Or like I said, you can go to our Patreon and check out the different levels of patronage there and also uh thanks one more time to our sponsors for this episode both uh pittsburgh comics and thriftburg we really appreciate their support so done talking i'm done talking i can't talk anymore (laughs) this has been episode 370 of the comic book pit i'm dan and with me tonight has been sean see ya kate bye and link See you, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.